0: And chose finally to have the wedding in an old, center block, rectangular shaped church that looked not look a lot different than Moose Lodge, that was down the road. That was pretty good distance from the airport. Moses' hotel was 45 minutes away, and the guest list was gonna be about the same, fortunately. And
1: it was gonna be a bit of burden for those
0: who come out of because post you GPS would not take the church. They are going to have to give an actual maps. and it for people. Inside the building, they needed new carpet. The air condition was questionable, so good thing it was in fall. The and there were still felt patterns on the wall made by the youth in the 1970s. And so but it had that coveted center out. But why the change? Why did they make this choice? Well, realize that well, this was the place where she had been baptized. This is where she went to confirmation. It was later in life where she met the person she was going to marry. It was a place where To me, is the prayer rail at my home church in Franklin, where I was baptized. But I can also tell you that every church I have ever served is no more or no less sacred than God. Present company, present location, this is where we encounter the presence of God. And we are like Moses, who stood in front of the party bush and removed his sandals, recognizing that these places where we encounter They are holy for us. Our buildings and our experiences are what make things, make places, make moments holy and sacred. But it is not the brick and mortar. It is not the materials for which these places are made and it's not the geography of where they are. They are sacred because these are the locations of tangible, real, Actual encounters with Christ occur, and at the center of our lives, we must be rooted in this presence of Christ, wherever we may be. As one person writes about sacredness, sacredness is found in the daily ministries of the Church of Jesus Christ. As we are armed in deep, the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual human hurts our church, our community, and our world. And as we come together and gather around the Word of God and continually rediscover that God, living and true God, leads us and continues to empower us for ministry in the world. Jesus Jesus mentions Jerusalem today. It was in Jerusalem that was a sacred ground for Christ, but we must remember that from there, the entire world is changed. Yes, places matter, Moments happen. happen. But all because they have a relationship with the encounters of the risen Christ. And that we are called to serve. And that we are called here to live out the sacredness and impact in the world. These things, sacred and real, though, we're not careful. We can disconnect them. We can forget them. in the relationship between them. There can be this temptation of a disconnecting reality from what is spiritual. One that believes that Jesus is with us, but spiritually, not actually. We can begin to think that life of Jesus was a story that unfolded some 2,000 years ago, but really disconnected from our own time and space, and left us never to return again until that final glorious day. Yes, the scriptures prepare us for that glorious study. But the teachings of Jesus offer us moral and ethical guidance. Our traditions help us remember who we are and where we came from, but we can deduce that the actual presence of Christ One was either with us before or will soon be again. I want to say that that is not true. Christ is with us, Jesus is incarnation. And we are always on the holy ground because of this. In fact, today's story is written with this in mind. It's written to remind us that Jesus was more than a some ethereal spiritual presence. Jesus' presence is more than the places we hold sacred. Jesus is more than a promise of what is to come. Jesus is more than moral ethical guidance. And Our experiences of his presence are more than nostalgic witnesses. Christ is incarnational. His presence can be startling. And that's what Luke wants us to touch and see today. We have a few names in the scriptures for Jesus. Two of them are son of God and son of man our son of humanity. On one hand, the first name reminds us that Jesus is different. He's special, he's spiritual, he is of God, he's from God, he, he is God, he's in that world. But then the second, name reminds us that Jesus was fully human, flesh and bone, emotional, tasting, seeing, feeling, experiencing life from cradle to grave, just like you would be, no less and no more. And so with these two names in mind today, Luke is writing to a people who lived in a moment in the world, for those who question this, of whether or not Jesus was really resurrected, whether he was ever really human, fully or actually. Some assume as we heard here, and this is what Luke is referring to, some assume it can be something of a ghost, something of a, a spiritual presence that connected to the body. The body was bad. It couldn't be good. Jesus couldn't be and he was spiritual. Therefore, it's significant that Luke has Jesus eating raw fish, touching those wounds, seeing the toll his earthly body took. But we may ask, why is this important for us? There's probably a few answers to that question. But I do believe it's important for us to consider that Jesus. Is with us. It's important to make clear that Jesus is, is more than that emotional or intellectual symbol of Christian hope. He's more than that moral or ethical guide. And we make a mistake to, to keep Jesus in the realm of philosophy or theology or historical figures to be revered. Luke wants his readers, you and me, to know. Is attached to something very personal, very real, very present, very much embodied with us. Paul alludes to the same thing in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says that our bodies are earthy tents, holding what is sacred. And Luke and Paul want us to see this abiding presence of God is within you and me. This abiding presence is in the community of faith is when we come together, it's the coined idea of the church. And it's an encounter of right? reality, it's a lived out presence in the world. And sure, we are not waiting for Christ to return. Christ isn't here, He is now, He is abiding. This is most likely, again, why you see. This ghost, things of our imagination, they don't even finish. He wants us to know that there is a reality in the resurrected body of Christ. And this reality started with the disciples. It scared them, terrified them. Jesus had been dead. Now he's alive. That's where he started living. And likewise, me, be just you be me, can't any justice start up when we realize that Christ is in our midst, right here with us? How often must it be that Jesus in our presence may be thinking things like, well, you know, I'm sitting right here with you. As you talk for me and around me and of me, I'm right here. I just think sometimes we speak and live as though Christ is in the room. My family does something. Makes a mistake, says something we should. One of us say, "Jesus knows." Jesus knows you said that. Jesus knows you did that. It's fun. It's a lighthearted thing that we do, but it's true. It's, it's a way of thinking of Christ's incarnation. But Paul, we can easily forget. We can forget when we preach. doing whether they their mundane things or difficult things or serious things indeed, Jesus knows he knows our words about us he knows our thoughts he read the tweet he read the posts To believe in Christ's it is to that Christ is incarnation. it's important to acknowledge Christ at all times. And that means that we see Christ in every act of peace, our love, our kindness, our hope, our gentleness. And when we see Stranger, we have touched the wounds of Christ. We call this the body of Christ for that reason. We embody Christ as the church. And our faith cannot be treated like a paper. Our faith reminds us we are down to earth people. Living in this moment, living in this reality. In fact, you and I have been shaped. We are from the soil that God breathed life into us. And we, down here in flesh and bone, accomplish our mission as followers of Christ, just as He did flesh and bone in our midst. And this mission sends us to those who are hurting, those who are lost. And sends us to, to bring healing and redemption and forgiveness, to speak justice to injustice. So I'll ask you can you remember that time? Jesus started you. I do one of those times. The story is a little insignificant, perhaps, in its telling. It's simple, what I mean to say, but I'll share it anyway. A few years ago, I was dining, having lunch, a church lunch program. For many years, I sat at table with those who were homeless, those who were unemployed, those who were underemployed, those who were. Under housed. I got to know many who had been in a bit of recovery for many years, and I got to know many who had encouraged to go to recovery. I met many who were more and less educated than myself, more and less experienced in life than I am, more wise and intelligent than I am. But on one particular day, we're sitting with a few men. Someone comes into the room that we knew, and let's just say he wasn't always pleasant sat down with us at the table, and before he got up to leave, he had pretty much offended everyone at the table. On this day, he was mad at humanity. He was upset with everyone at the table. I couldn't be half the words I heard. And then when he left, lunch unfinished, and he around the table decided to express how glad gone. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. I didn't disagree And finally, looking at the he said, hey, some folks just eating up Some folks just can't yet understand how much God loves them. But until they do, we might have to love them. Because they don't know how to love you. Silence. Then he said, well, the peace of is. The he was a real man. And I know that because evening, he was eating, he probably. But I also saw Christ in He was no less Christ because he sat at our table and he spoke of the word remember about me because it starved me. It started me because we live in a world where getting upset with the behaviors of others, of those people, is well, the norm. And here was a voice of someone unfazed by the world, choosing to love and show compassion for someone he saw as pretty inside. And the rest of us just didn't you yeah. know. Yes, we live in a world of anger, violence, broken we can tell ourselves that we're powerless against such things. We need even to justify our anger towards people. our philosophy our symbol of hope jesus is incarnational christ is real christ is with us and for you and me to live more incarnationally today perhaps it looks like being a voice of grace in a heart of the world i suppose the incarnation of jesus looks like volunteering with the ministries of the church on a daily basis being incarnational is a willingness to enter into the hardships of our neighbors of one another of those who come to our I think it looks like weeping with those who grieve. I think it looks like offering forgiveness to one another, especially those things that are for us. I think it looks like wedding in center block churches with felt banners on the wall, and I think it looks like Jesus saying, Look at my scars. And they go out to the world, and when we see brokenness, we know that the holes are the scars of Christ. So we leave this place. Representatives of Christ. Healers. Those who love.